Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 620 with a review of Radioactive. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm waking up by feet. <laughs> Stephen Miller. <laughs> and ever joining I, I us. I seriously called an audible. I didn't know I was going to do that till I said I'm. And then I was like, oh, yeah, we're in this song. <laughs> I was hearing it in my head right as you were about to start it. Um, but anyways, this is the Spoiler Warning Podcast. It is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Uh, Radioactive is, I believe, one of the films that we could have potentially seen at TIFF. Is that correct? Yep. Um, yeah, I think it was on our schedule at one of the many iterations, which is to give a hint of how many tickets we bought and then discarded as schedule <laughs> shifted. <laughs> um but yeah, so so this is something that we were going to try to check out then, um, and we either bumped it or, um, you know, w- w- somehow it decayed off of our schedule, and we uh, missed it. Um, so this is technically a 2019 film, but it's just coming out uh, on Amazon video uh, this weekend, so we decided to check it out and, uh, and talk about it. Um, yeah, so Stephen... Um, do you, did you, do you, um, how much knowledge did you have of uh, Marie Curie uh, before sitting down to watch this movie? Or maybe even after this movie? <laughs> um, whatever it is, the answers to the two questions are the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, I, I knew I, I knew a little bit. Like, I, I knew that Marie Curie, um, I'm going to say discovered what we now know as radiation. She was not actually the first person to observe a radioactive substance, but, you know, she was the first person to kind of define it and isolate it. Um, I knew that she had a husband and that in her lifetime, her work was unfairly overshadowed by her husband, even though she was actually the more dominant one when it came to the science behind it. And that's about it. It's probably all I knew. I guess I assumed she lived in France just from the name, but I never thought about it too much. <laughs> I, I knew way more about um, Marjan Satrapi, the uh, the director of this movie, because she also wrote the uh, graphic novel Persepolis and then directed the movie based on that, which is a beautiful, like amazing um, work about an Iranian who flees and goes to Paris and it's kind of about like her struggling with her dual identity. Um, and that is the only reason I was excited to watch this movie at Toronto <laughs> was cause I was like, Oh hell yeah. I want to know what she's doing next. Um, Marie Curie. I don't know. Didn't, didn't know much more. It got into my head. I would have told you there was a substance called curium, which I don't think there is. <laughs> <laughs> she discovered unobtainium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do uh, you know about the Curies? Um, yeah, I was a little curious before we started uh, watching this film. But no, like, so mostly what I knew about her is um, her, like, like, as you said, like her sort of like, basically defining radioactivity as a thing. Um, and I knew that, you know, her body was basically buried inside of a lead lined coffin, because like, at her time of death, like she was just like she was literally radioactive and mm-hmm. i know that if you want to visit and um and take a look at her journals now today you have to like sign a bunch of waivers and get in like a hazmat suit because even her journals are still radioactive to this day um but i didn't really know much about her life or um how she made the discovery or anything like that so i, w- I was sort of curious to see uh, you know rosamund pike play this role and just kind of see if this film 
gave any more information about that other than like the basic bullet points of radioactivity lined coffin <laughs> etc um so yeah i mean so we are about to find out if uh, we learned anything more i mean you already kind of tipped your hat about uh the fact that the answer to before and after is the same um so without further ado why don't we take a listen to the trailer for radioactive and they're going to come back and have a what is no doubt a lively conversation about this film <laughs> i have been haunted my entire life looking for beauty in the new science is changing and the very people who are running science are the people who believe the world was flat i'm going to prove them wrong i have discovered a new element you changed the world i must ask you please to leave my laboratory if my science doesn't speak for itself, then you have gravely misunderstood it. You threw us down in the water. The ripples you can't control. I want to believe the world is full of light, not darkness. All right, so I'm just going to go ahead and read uh, some of the IMDb description for this film. Pioneer, rebel, genius. Radioactive is the incredible true story of Marie Curie and her Nobel Prize winning work that changed the world. Um, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Radioactive? Oh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why this movie is what it is <laughs> um the, uh, so i'm going to start with praising what this film attempts to do because i i do think this movie set out to be not a standard biopic i don't think this is a movie that attempted to just linearly tell her story and failed to do it i think it's a movie that tried to do something more experiential and then just drop the ball completely um like thing things that i like i think the look and feel of this movie i like there is like a lot of radiation looking colors throughout the movie right it's kind of cast <laughs> in a green glow um the the future especially there are cuts to the future that happen a few times that feel almost like amelie or something like they have this kind of fairy tale neon there, there's an interesting look and feel to it that is clearly intentional that like i i thought that looked cool um i'm i'm struggling <laughs> because there's not a lot to praise about this movie um yeah it, it's bad it, it is a good movie <laughs> um, it is the, this is just so from the very beginning when we meet rosamund pike's marie curie she is in a dispute with another professor about lab space and the way she's talking and disagreeing with people feels like if you asked an actor to imagine what a strong-willed scientist is and just were like go like improv be a yeah. strong-willed scientist what would you say what would you do like she is 
meeting and falling in love with her future husband, Pierre. And they are literally saying things like, well, do you know that? Is that a theory or is that a thing you believe? Well, I guess to test my hypothesis, it's just like fucking bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I just got like, I, I got so annoyed early on because this felt like a movie that wanted to like, it wanted to be about science, but instead it felt like it was about this very, very, very vague writerly idea of what science was. Um <laughs> And I know this is coming from the person who liked at the time the theory of everything. So like I, I, I my standards are not that high for accurate but, science. But the theory of everything has characters in it and it has love that it's also dealing with, mm. right? It's literally the theory of everything, not just the theory of science. Yeah. This this is yeah. like if you took the theory of everything and it was called the theory of black holes and, <laughs> was, and there was no character work and no interaction between any characters of any substance. Yeah. Yeah, it, it 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 just like so right off the bat, it just was like I it rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, oh no, this movie is gonna I'm gonna have to like ignore that part, right? I'm gonna have to just enjoy the good and ignore when it tries to dip its toe into not not the science, but the behavior of scientists because I didn't think it got that right at all. And then what really threw me off here, it is the first extended future or fantastical scene where there is a father and a son who are in a cancer ward in like the 1950s and the father's name is gerard he he has a weird look on his face everyone has weird <laughs> weird looks on their face um it's because they're all pumped full of radiation steven yeah like a, a doctor is describing radiation therapy and when when that section ended I turned to Joanna and I said, like, Gerard had better come back in this movie because if all that was was like a didactic parable to tell me what radiation therapy is, oh. I am going to be so mad. But, but Stephen, Gerard doesn't come back, but the son comes back. <laughs> oh, my. Is that supposed to be the son? The, at the end of this film. Well, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> I forgot. Oh, oh, you mean in that, that like, that yeah, dreamy in the Titanic in the Titanic ending. Um, I, I almost just started like completely spoiling a bunch of stuff in this film. Yeah. But uh, but I forgot I forgot what we were doing here, Stephen. Um, but yeah, the sun yeah, is so definitely the, those, tied back. Yeah. So the, so those interstitial moments, those there are there are multiple times where this movie cuts to the future to depict the impact that Marie Curie's discoveries will have on the world, and. They are simultaneously the coolest looking part of this movie because they are at least stylized, like they are doing something. And they, I found them infuriating <laughs> because they are just like, let me tell you. So there's not even a shadow of the doubt in any audience member's mind what connection we are drawing. Like there's a yeah. moment where people are flying an airplane, dropping little boy and big boy. And I was like, okay, you didn't have to say the name of what they're doing. That is too yeah, much. Like, and then we, the camera we, cuts we, and it was like, Nagasaki, look up. Like it, okay, okay. It, here, here, here's uh, the thing. Here's the thing I hate the most 
about this fucking movie. This movie time jumps constantly. Like every cut in this movie is another five, ten years or whatever. It just feels like it's like, and now, and now I'm popping out another kid, and now this is happening. There's never fucking titles to let you be grounded in any sense of reality, except for when they go to the future after she's already dead, and they go, uh, just so you know, this is when the bomb dropped. <laughs> Here, this is when they're doing testing in the middle of Nevada, and like, it's just, it's like I like if you if you don't care where our head is at as far as the chronology of her life, then why do you think we care when you go to the future? Like it it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't matter anymore since you're just doing it as this metaphor for where her stuff goes to. Why do you have to make a big ass title and make sure we understand that you're jumping in time because you haven't grounded us in a reality of time before that moment. I don't know, just it was yeah. really frustrating to me. No, I, I agree with that too. And the thing is like I want to keep stressing, I, f- I feel like I know what this movie wanted to do. They they want to make the character Marie Curie be herself like a radioactive particle. And like there are plenty of times where they make that very on the nose. Like, l- like she's this thing that is like hurting the people that she loves and she's prickly and she's hard to pin down. But then she's also like radiant and she glows. And like multiple times they talk about like our work is radiating outward, you know, like, like they're clearly trying to do this and they want the movie to move with the logic of these uncanny particles. Right. So, so they, like, I get that. Like I, I get the idea of that, but the execution I think just like does not work at all in the movie. What, what it winds up feeling like is a, a biopic that doesn't know how to tell the story it is ostensibly telling and doesn't commit to the stylized moments enough to make it be like a kind of cool brooding art house equivalent. Like this movie is not Shirley. Like Shirley was a movie that had a strange, unique tone that is not really giving you any insight into the character, but is like, steeped in the idea of what this author represented and so it's supposed to feel like what it would be like to be in the head of that character this could have been that like if this movie really committed to it it could have had this kind of loopy orbiting effect where like you're watching things in her life come and go and they seem to dance and radiate and decay like particles like like you could have done this but this movie is nowhere near that it is a very very conventional movie that just has like any experimental thing feels like a weird cutesy frill that they threw on the like on the end of a bad movie rather than i, I don't know the, the combination did not work for me at all it it annoyed me way more than like the the straightforward version of this the imitation game of this where they just like tell me what happened um and i don't feel like the characters are that well real i'm not going to blame the actors because i feel like the screenplay is just kind of a mess but yeah no one is a real person in this movie at all like anya taylor joy shows up rather late in this movie as her daughter (laughs) and we are we are just told things about her through dialogue like (laughs) oh she's also a blank like like, there's just no way to characterize any of these people it yeah i thought it was a mess uh yeah so I, i think this film is awful um I am so thankful that you also didn't care for it, Stephen, because if you truly like this film, I was going to just cancel this episode and (laughs) and say, like, I can't (laughs) constructively talk about it. Um, But because you didn't like it, uh, that allows me to not like it more freely. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think that um, I this really feels like somebody was like, hey, this is a story of a super smart woman whose husband took all the credit green light this and let's make a movie out of it. And it feels like that's as far as they went. Like they didn't feel how they wanted to make it relevant today to today um, or how they really wanted to sell us on the woman that Marie Curie was. Um, it just was like, oh, that's enough premise for telling the story and that's it. And they didn't go any further than telling that. The, the actual, like, you know, we were joking before about how we didn't know that much about her before the film, and we know somehow even less than <laughs> about her after the film, because there is no substance in this film at all. Like, this is, this could be a great episode of Radiolab, <laughs> where they take 35 <laughs> minutes to talk about um, what she did and how it impacted our, our, our current lives. Um, but instead, it's this one-note character who all we know is that she's super feisty and she's smarter than everyone else in the room. Like it's, 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 I mean, you already mentioned the imitation game, but it seems like she's trying to play, um, Benedict Cumberbatch's BBC, BBC Sherlock, but with no actual, like good dialogue written behind any of the scenes where she's trying to own people in the rest of the room. And I feel like the entire film is complete techno babble. Like if you're trying to write an episode of Star Trek, you know, you write like blah, 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 this is happening. And then you just write insert techno babble here and then solution is solved, right? This whole film feels like it doesn't understand radioactivity or anything that she actually accomplished. Like there's literally a scene where she's going, huh, I do this thing and then I don't get the readings I expect. And then her husband comes and goes like, well, darling, that's because you don't have the machinery to get the readings right. And she's like, huh, I'm going to continue to do this thing that doesn't work with my equipment that doesn't work. And then he comes back and he's like, look, honey, your machines couldn't get the good readings. And that's why I invented this. It gets good readings. You, you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. <laughs> no, but it, 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 like I couldn't like when he came in and, it, it, and he brings in this invention he created, I guess, in, in between the last scene. I don't know how long he's been working on it. It could have been five minutes. It could have been an hour. I mean, I know he did walk to the hospital at one point and then he came back from the hospital and he showed this fucking machine that he invented that does, quote, science better. I, I like I <laughs> I hated <laughs> every scene. And then like, OK, so rem you already you also brought up Shirley already. So remember in Shirley when uh, we see uh, Shirley's husband, <laughs> um, yeah, like giving his talk in his class. Right. We only see the beginning of of his talk every single time. We don't know what his talk is really about. It has to do with music and subcultures and blah, 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 and the meaning behind words and musical notes. And so, who knows? He's a pompous teacher and like we, we have no idea what he's doing. But like we, all, we, we, have, we don't get to learn anything from his, his talk about whatever record he's playing. We just see him play the record, start into the dialogue, and then we leave that scene and go somewhere else. This is a film called Radioactive about the woman who discovered radioactivity. And the most we learn is that shit grows green or <laughs> glows green. And we all fundamentally misunderstand the atom. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And like and every time she's like, I would like to talk to you today about radioactivity. And she holds up the screen thing. And then never is it explained. We do know that yeah. some elements are stable and we, we thought they were all stable. 
and now we realize that some of them decay and are not stable. But before we thought that those were just, I guess, not elements. And now we know that those are elements. And it, <laughs> like, there is no, nothing in this film tries to communicate knowledge about anything. It just hand waves away everything. And in fact, one of the most interesting things is there's a seance happening and she goes to the seance. And what the medium is saying is that, she will close this box with a photographic plate and they will play Beethoven's whatever and the ghost of Beethoven will appear and it'll be caught on the plate. What I think is happening in that scene, which is not actually explained, is that this is based on the original discovery of x-rays and x-rays cannot penetrate bones um, or, or they, they can't penetrate bones. So in theory... If they have some something shooting x-rays at the plate through the guy playing the piano, the keys and the skeleton of that guy will will appear on the plate because the thing around those will leave an imp impression. And because he's playing the piano, you can say like, look, it's the ghost of Beethoven playing the piano, right? Like that's what I assume is happening in that scene. But they don't even fucking show the result and nobody explains what's happening. The medium just says what the experiment is and then they cut to another scene where characters are just talking. I, I was like, what? Like, yeah. this is the most interesting thing you've shown me, and you're not even, like, actually dealing with it. Then, like, radium, ha having this stuff widely available for use in all these medical experiences didn't come until we created the atom bomb. Basically, the only way to get this radioactive substance was to take four fucking years to get like four ounces, not four ounces, four grams of this thing, four years and four tons of this material to get a tiny little vial and that cures cancer? No, nothing about this movie takes us on a journey between her discovery and what she was doing. She just spends four years making a glowing vial that she like plays with in bed every night while she goes to sleep. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> that, sorry i'm just going on a crazy rant about how much i hated this movie the last the last thing i'll say is this i understood that she was buried in a lead line coffin because her body is fucking radioactive and all of her equipment is radioactive that's super interesting this film is about the smartest person in the world but the way they present her experience with radium communicates it into me to me in a way that makes me feel like she's dumb for not realizing it was killing her like there's mm -hmm. literally a scene where her husband's like hey look at this spot on my arm i put some of that radium on there and all the skin's dead and now it's like <laughs> scarring huh that's kind of cool right and it's like yeah <laughs> it's bad it's fucking bad <laughs> like like i i understand <laughs> i understand that in reality it might have been more subtle and it probably wasn't super obvious because I'm sure everybody was getting sick back then because it was back in fucking mm -hmm. the beginning of the 1900s. And <laughs> yeah, like, we were I, all sick. But yeah, exactly. Like, 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 like people got sick all the time and they died young and whatever. I understand that maybe it wasn't obvious, but don't make your film in a way that makes it like she's holding a glowing thing that should not exist and their skin is burning when they put it on their skin. It kind of makes me feel like they should have maybe thought that it was killing them. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. It just, I, I don't understand anything this movie's doing and I really, <laughs> really, really hated it. Oh, sorry. This is the last thing for real. 
I mentioned this could be a good episode of Radiolab where they say, and mm-hmm. that's how we got the atomic bomb. That's how we got radiation therapy. It doesn't work for you to teleport 11 years in the future to show the dropping of a bomb that happened 11 years after you died. Like that is not, I, I don't, that connection doesn't work for me. And I definitely don't like the way they bring it back at the end. <laughs> like, mm. I thought that was incredibly, uh, I, 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 it just didn't work for me. I, I don't want to be mean about what I thought it was, but I, I just, it, it didn't, it didn't make sense to, to, cause it felt like she was jumping to these places. Like, her viewpoint was jumping to see the reality of the world that she will discover. She's not getting the credit now, but she will have the credit in the future. And it just, it just didn't work for me to, to jump that far ahead when like people expanded upon what her, what she did, but she wasn't doing those things. Right. Like, and even, even in world war one, when she was had mobile X-ray labs, she didn't invent or discover X-rays. Somebody else had, it was that discovery that helped her lead to discovering uh, polonium and radium because whatever it was, the film doesn't do a good job of explaining it, but like she was, (laughs) she was expanding upon somebody else's discovery to arrive at her discovery. So people, expanding upon her discovery to arrive at their own discoveries doesn't seem like a straightforward connection to me. I don't know. It just, it, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I I can't really follow you on that last one. Well, I kind of can because (laughs) a good, not to diminish the work of the real Marie and Pierre Curie, who I am sure did foundational work in, you know, in this area, nothing about their discoveries in this movie struck me as a thing that wouldn't have happened within the next 10 years just by the nature of what people were studying. Right? Yeah. Like the, the movie makes it seem like a natural progression of existing things, which to your point does make it harder to give them the kind of guilt like, like a Nobel had about dynamite, right? Like the guilt of the evil that would come from it because it didn't, it, it doesn't come off as being a, a groundbreaking leap in our understanding of the world. Um, yeah. But I can forgive that because I do think any one scientist who does a thing will feel ownership of the work that builds on their shoulders. And so I'm I'm fine with the movie conceptually jumping forward beyond her death to talk about these are all of the ramifications of that little thing she discovered about what the atom can do. I think the movie does a horrible job of explaining what it is that she discovered. Like, yeah. This falls prey, and a lot of movies do this, when there's a, especially a college or grad student lecture going on, a lot of movies don't know how to handle that, because either you say a thing that is accurate, and then no one watching the movie is going to understand it, or you say a thing that would be, like, psychotic to actually say in the context of, like, higher level education in a class where you're an invited speaker about the subject. Like, yeah. no one... And, and this is, you know, a decade plus into Marie Curie's work on radiation. No one is asking her to give a guest lecture so she can hold up a green thing and say, like, radiation is when decay means that energy gets emitted because of new... Like, everyone knew that by then. Like, like that was, like, the starting point. You know, yeah. these are grad students. <laughs> um, but they, they don't do anything else with it. They don't say anything new about it because they... They don't know how. They don't know how to describe what it is that she discovered. Um, w- like, which is an interesting thing. Like, 
I forgot most of my chemistry and physics that I've learned. So like, I know that particles are unstable. Certain particles are very unstable. Their half-life is like, you know, a millisecond. Um, how do they get there? Like, how do they exist <laughs> if they vanish like that? Like, that would all be interesting to think about. Like, if you're going to flash forward, tell me the world that it created, not just these, like, very obvious cultural touchstones that happen to involve radiation, but are not that directly a result of the discovery that you made. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, it, it feels weird what this movie chose to to fixate on, and I just didn't feel like it earned it at at all. Like, the... The Nagasaki sequence made me genuinely angry. It, it felt like, no, you are not going to cut to that. You're, you're going to show me from this perspective, really, really movie? Like, you have not earned the right to do this. Like, you have not done anything to... I don't know. That really bothered me. Yeah. I So, I, I, I've said several times that this movie could have been a really interesting um, episode of Radiolab. There is an incredibly interesting episode of Radiolab... Um, I believe the episode I, I kind of Googled for, it. I'm pretty sure this is it. It's called how do, how do you solve a problem like Fritz Haber? And it's basically about a guy who invented chlorine gas while attempting to solve world hunger. And he basically was trying to save the world and made one of the gnarliest, deadliest toxic things that would, these clouds of gas would like f flow across the battlefield and people would just like instantly die and animals would fall down and plants would shrivel up. And it was like, he was trying to do one amazingly good thing and it got weaponized. And that is his legacy is creating chlorine gas. And like, yeah. if you were trying to tell that kind of story, like all these things save lives, but it also took a lot of lives in this one instant or these two instants instances like there's lots of things you could do to try to to come full circle on this story but instead the film is like oh it, it feels like the film is going like hey there's not really a lot to this story like she spent most of her career grinding up uh some minerals and boiling them until she got almost no ounces of it's four years and like it's a line of dialogue in the movie it's four years and four tons to get like four ounces of uh not four ounces fuck, i keep saying that four grams it's like almost none of this radioactive isotope or whatever it is um i don't even know science uh <laughs> but <laughs> but she spent all this time for to, to create this thing and then it doesn't do the film does not carry that forward she says that um everybody funda fundamentally misunderstood the atom and it talks about um, her getting two Nobel prizes, but it doesn't like, it doesn't show a progression of her work or what she's doing. And then it like, I don't know. It just, it seems like her life was not in that interesting and her accomplishments were at the time not necessarily celebrated enough. And there are moments in history where big events happened or big medical advances happened that relate to her science, but there isn't like a direct thread of her progression to arrive at that, that point, because all those achievements happened long after she died. Um, and, it, well, it's, well, and I think like her story could be interesting. Like the sketches I get from this movie, like the glimpses I see of a better biopic, um, like yeah. being a Polish immigrant. Like I, I think, I like Rosamund Pike as an actress. I feel like she's the wrong person to play this character. She just doesn't... Nothing about her screams like you are going to receive prejudice or stereotypes based on who you are in France, so, right? Like, she so, just doesn't... 
that, like that's, the real Marie Curie looks nothing like her. That, that, that's, that's one of the things that really kind of pissed me off too, is we understand she's a Polish immigrant, but the film doesn't seem to remember or care until she does something after her husband dies. And mm -hmm. then everybody's like against Polish people suddenly <laughs> and like calling her names and stuff. And it's like, are they, are they actually anti-Polish immigrant or are they just anti-adultery? <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like the, the movie doesn't even tell you too that the, the first element she and her husband discover is polonium and they name it after Poland. Like, like yeah. they care quite a bit about that heritage. Um, but yeah, the, the movie kind of sweeps it under the rug for the most part. Um, she was a famous scientist who probably had a lot of difficulty rising, like gaining profile as a woman at the Sorbonne. Like this film hints at it, but it feels very like almost comedic. Like it feels very fake the way this movie tries to describe yeah. the academic experience. So I, I didn't get a lot out of that. And, and, um, and we, we, we join her having already got her like, her degrees and stuff we, we join her already having been a scientist and she's mostly right. struggling with getting lab space but at that time women weren't even like really allowed to get higher education at all so like this film could have backed up just a few years and shown the fight she had to go through to get the education that she had and the work she did mm -hmm. to like tutor other people and stuff like that but instead it just starts with her it's like achievement unlocked i am scientist hear me roar um now i got a glowy tube uh now we're shooting into the future just to see where my achievements land and it it, it, it yeah. like it, it's it's a frustrating narrative that i don't understand why it plays out the way it does yeah i the the asymmetry like the unfair treatment that she gets for her infant like it isn't even her infidelity she's doing nothing wrong but you know for the professor <laughs> who is I mean, cheating on his wife with her is is that not her husband's brother her her late husband's brother oh i don't i i didn't maybe he is i didn't know that for for some I, reason i, I was just thought, another professor at the Sarpone. for some reason i thought that he was related to the late husband but i i could have just assumed that mm. with how close those two were for so many years. Yeah, they both have the same, like, Rocky and Bullwinkle villain facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I think he was just another professor. But, like, that, also, that whole subdrama could... The weird nude, nude picnic with, like, <laughs> oh, with yeah. a different color palette than the rest of the movie. Was, was <laughs> that a dream? Or is that supposed to represent, like... The world of science is so harsh and weighs so heavily on her mind that the one time she escaped and was happy, the color palette changed. Like, like the difference between the normal color palette and her on the blanket with them, with him, is the difference between like the waking world and the Matrix. <laughs> well, I think uh, yeah. So I think that is a little intentional. Like I think Paris is dark and filled with quote radiation, not just physical, but like the the idea of when she interacts with other people, it is like a toxic thing. Whereas like the world of nature gets to feel pure and different, but yeah, that, that was also just very heightened and weird, but no, it wasn't a dream because if it was a dream, it would have been Dan Stevenson's ass <laughs> that, that I'm seeing. Um, <laughs> nice. Anyway, yeah. Like it just tonally, this movie is kind of all over the place, but anyway, anyway, I do think the, that whole scandal could be interesting. Like that is a part of her story that I didn't know that you could in a more conventionally told film you could like trace 
her life and have that overlay on top of her academic achievements. But I feel like by then, the movie has forgotten to even pretend to care about science anymore. So you're not, you aren't seeing a complete picture of a person. You're only seeing like little snippets of what the filmmaker wants us to know. And I, I just don't think that is a good way to go about it. Yeah. Especially because it doesn't feel like the writers necessarily research which parts of the life would be important to that story, right? It's kind of like somebody like read a memoir and was like, ooh, this is interesting. I'm throwing this in the <laughs> in my script. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be done yet, Stephen. Uh, we need to get to verdicts for this film. <laughs> Can you believe that her daughter also won a Nobel Prize for radiation? <laughs> I think that's nepotism. That is kind of nuts. Yeah. Well, oh, it, it was. It was about her Nobel Prize was for turning non-radioactive things radioactive, right? Wasn't it like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is really the real achievement if you think about it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Because if if we needed to spend four years and four tons of some ore to be able to shoot somebody's little tumor with a little radiation. No one would ever be able to, to get those operations. Right. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I want to see that story. It's a sequel. <laughs> anyway, Stephen Miller, if you were going to give us a must-see, a recommend the caveat, wait for rental, pass the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I went harder on it with you than I thought I was going to go. Like, I knew I didn't like it, but I didn't know I was going to trash it. I have to say must avoid now, right? Like, there's there's no way I can <laughs> I cannot say that. But I was fully prepared to say pass with a caveat before this because, like... If, if, you're, if you're at must avoid, I feel like I have to, like, create a sixth rating. Which... I, might, I might have to do pass with caveat because I do... I think... I think this film could have gone on autopilot and been better... And a lot of the failures of this movie are that it tried to shake things up, like it tried to do something different. And it, even though I kind of hated all of those cuts to the future, I do think like they are more interesting or more daring than what a lot of movies might have tried to do. So I'm going to give this a pass with the caveat only because I think, I think it would not have failed this hard if it hadn't tried. And, and so I like... I kind of admire the fact that it went for it, but I just don't think the execution works at all <laughs> um not as a straightforward biopic if it's meant to be an emotional connection i feel like it just severs that it doesn't tell me enough to have me care about it and there are plenty of things that i feel like are emotionally manipulative in this movie when it tries to tie it all together so i did not enjoy watching this movie at all but i i have to give it like some mild props for <laughs> swinging and missing rather than not swinging so Whatever that that is me bumping it back to what I was gonna do at the beginning of this review before you poisoned me with your radiation. <laughs> Sorry, I just yeah. I mean, it's definitely a must avoid um, for me. Um, I I I really didn't like any of this film, um, especially not the end where she you know throws her vial of radioactive fluid off the back of the boat and then goes to heaven and <laughs> finds Jack. <laughs>
that's going to bring us to the end of our review of Radioactive. Um, Stephen Miller, if people haven't already unsubscribed, where can they find you throughout the week? Uh, they can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Or, you know, just go hit that unsubscribe button. It's fine. It's not going to get any better. <laughs> um, if you uh, get a, a sheet of photosensitive metal and just close it inside of a box, you will find me appearing as an impression on that from, from x-rays. Uh, but you can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilTheWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Uh, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash warning, Facebook.com slash warning, or Instagram.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilTheWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site music for this episode will likely come from uh are we gonna use the soundtrack or are we just gonna use imagine dragons i i think i think we have to just do imagine dragons yeah. i mean there's got to be something about this episode that <laughs> is enjoyable yeah <laughs> go watch project almanac you guys <laughs> we're gonna groundhog day this bitch <laughs> um so I will, I will bid you a good night, Steven. And if people stay subscribed, we'll see all these fine folks <laughs> in the next episode. Bye. Later.